fear to give I feel but I can't forgive I go all in this time Yeah I won't regret I'll pick the best on trip They don't understand I play to win Yeah I play to win I play to win Yeah yeah I play to win I play to win Oh play to win I play to win Yeah yeah I play to win I play to win Welcome to the Commissioner Evaluation Show. I'm John McGlynn. You can find me on the Twitter machine at McGlynn 75 Today, I had the pleasure of talking with Fantasy Nerd Boy as we take a deep depth chat into the AFC and NFC West depth charts as, a, as in our lads. You know, that's where I get all my information from. So we'll go on here and we'll take a look at those. This is the Commissioner Evaluation Podcast with your host, John McGlynn. Is that Herms? He got them guests on the Rolodex, stopping by to talk about some Dynasty Superflex. Everybody, yo, commission's in. It's time to sit down to listen to John McGlynn. Yo, who we trading, who we fading, who we getting off the squad. Knowledge never overrated, playing for number one. And hey, yo, McGlynn is in. It's time to let the fun begin. It's the Commissioner Evaluation Podcast with John McGlynn. That is my intro. Thanks to Herms NFL for the awesome intro. I appreciate it. Play it every week, and we'll get the we'll get that uh, some uh, video enhancement in the future, soon future. I say that every week, but it'll happen one time. So, first of all, Norboy, tell me about yourself. Where the Twitter machine can find you, and what people what you do in the fantasy football world that makes people want to follow you. What's up, John? How you doing, brother? It's um, I'm glad to finally be on the pod. I feel like we've been talking about this for a couple months now. Um, but yeah, I am on Twitter at NerdBoyTakes. I value players pretty accurately are keeping up on their value and um, informing the public about, you know, what you can do trade trade wise how to move off players. And, and um, you know, I, I, I do tend to gravitate towards that side of fantasy football, um, do a lot of startups and I, I figure out who's where and what and what their ADP currently is. Um, it, it really helps me being constantly in startups to kind of figure out, you know, where these players are valued by the public because ultimately their ADP is, you know, their value at, at the current market. Um, but I have a discord that is dynasty DGENs that I have um, probably over 150 guys in currently, I think actually 125 guys in right now. Um, and then we also uh, just launched a dynasty DGENs podcast. So that's kind of a variety podcast where we have a guest on every week and I'm sure I'll have you on there eventually. And we're just, you know, chop it up with them and then talk whatever's going on fantasy world that day. Um, so it's different every week, but you know, we have a lot of fun on there. And like I said, we're on episode four this week. So um, just excited to get that going. Super happy about that, man. I can't wait to, can't wait to be on. I love the show. Uh, it's uh, we're, you got the perfect guy for ADP talking about players. We'll do these depth charts today. You can tell me who needs to slide up, slide down, or who to move on from. So, tell me about the day of your life outside of fantasy football, like family, pets, career, hobbies, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I am a dad. I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old, so that's pretty much my life outside of fantasy football. Um, I work with education, so that's pretty nice. Where I have the summers up, I'm, I'm for work right now. Um, so a day in the life for me is wake up at 4 a.m. and I do um, fantasy basketball blurbs. So that's really where I 
I started everything was doing fantasy basketball. Um, so I, I write blurbs for Roto at four in the morning. So I pretty much go and look at the news for that night or, you know, whoever's trending. And then I, I write a little blurb for them and then, you know, that, that gets launched out into the, to the sphere, if you will. And it goes on Yahoo and, um, sleeper and all that. Um, but then, you know, after that, I usually wake the kid up, get a do, do a whole routine where I'm feeding them, get them ready for school and, um, I get them out the door and then I, I try to do a little something for myself, go to the gym or do some, something that, you know, gets me going, um, come back home, check the email. And then it's really locked into fantasy football content. Um, you know, I usually do some writing for the, um, you know, the podcast itself, like I'll figure out what we're going to be doing for the week or, you know, I get into the discord and I talk to the guys about things that they want to talk about. And, um, you know, various, I think fantasy football is sprinkled throughout my whole day. Um, but then it's, it's mostly it's you know, go get the kids, take them to the park, go have some fun. You know, if I'm having a day to myself, you know, me and my wife will go to, you know, hike or bike or do something outside and just enjoy the weather while it's, it's gorgeous out. So, um, yeah, it's, it's dad life, man. There's, there's a lot of just whatever the kids want to do, whatever we're doing, um, as a family, which is, you know, good, very different from my life 10 years ago, for sure. Yeah. You ain't kidding. It gets different as these changes in life when they're, you know, you thought life was expensive when you had to buy baby diapers and formula and stuff all the time. Then they start getting into school and it's, you know, a couple field trips here and there. And it's like, oh, I don't got to buy diapers and formula anymore. And then they get older and they start getting into all these competition sports, so lacrosse and basketball and wrestling and cheerleading. And, and it's like, holy cow, this is, I, I want to go back to just buying diapers and formula. So it was so cheap. Back then. <laughs> We're just yeah. like this year alone. We've been to Texas and California and Florida, Georgia, Massachusetts, uh, uh, Iowa, um, in uh Indianapolis, all for lacrosse and other sports, you know, but the good thing about it is, like I said before the show is, you know, I have four, four kids are real good kids, two boys, they're older ones. And then the two youngest ones are girls. And, you know, they're, they're best friends and worst enemies three or four times a day. That kind of, that's kind of how that works, but life goes on. You just keep pushing and, uh, you know, it all just kind of works out. You just, just, uh, just keep going, keep, keeping busy. All my kids, I always said all the time, Hey, I don't care what you do, but every season you're going to play a sport your entire life. That's, you know, I don't want you hanging on the outside, well, you have too much time in your hand is not a good thing. So if you can't find yeah. a sport, I'll find one for you. And I put my kids in bowling and that's how we find lacrosse. My daughter didn't want to play uh, softball anymore. It was too boring for her. And I'm like, well, find something. I'll find it for you. We were driving past the park and she goes, I want to play that. And I didn't know what the hell it even was. I never heard or saw lacrosse before. So she joined it. And now <laughs> she got a full scholarship to college for, for lacrosse to go for St. Ambrose. So worked out good that's for me. That's amazing, man. I love, I love hearing that, you know, I, I definitely, cause it's tough nowadays with tablets and TV and, you know, you, you want, when we went up, it was, you know, go outside and then come back home for dinner and then go back outside again. And that was yeah, street, every day, you know, you know, don't go, don't pass this house or that house in the neighborhood. And that's how it was. It was like, I had like little, you know, territory that I had to, you know, abide by. And and if my parents saw me past the certain house, they're like, what are you doing, buddy? You know, so um, but yeah, it was it's different. It is different now. So it's it's good to keep them active and, and keep them involved in, in certain activities. So I'll, that's what I plan on doing, too. It is. Chicago is divided up into parishes. So we had like all our like, Queen Universe Parish and the St. Mary Star to Sea Parish and St. Nick's and St. Dennis. And out here, I live in the suburbs now with my kids and there's no 
none of that kind of camaraderie. It's in the subdivisions, you know, it's the kids are kind of, there's 1800 people in these subdivisions and it's kind of, they kind of get lost. There's so many kids in each classroom, but uh, it's a whole different life, but it's a, uh, it's, it's good. It's, it's got its goods and it's bad. I want to move back to the city so bad every day of my life, you know, but uh, it's, yeah, it, it's a, yeah, my brother's both Chicago cops, you know, they, 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 they uh, you know, there's in the city and they're, they're just, they're, their kids just seem to have such more of a, like a, like a small camaraderie, best friend kind of thing. When you're out in the suburbs, there's just so many kids or, you know, there's, there's five grades of first grade kids, five grades of second, five classes of second grade kids, you know? So you're, you're looking at 150, 200 kids per class. They never really make best friends. They kind of like, they walk around, yeah. like, like you know, they got I, them, their best friend is Timmy and Joey in kindergarten. And it's Bob and Joe and in first, uh, first grade and second grade, it's Sean and Dennis, you know, and it's like, they never really get to be like best friends besides a couple of people that are like direct neighbors, you know, but when you, when you have the same 17 boys in your class or 18 boys in your class and you played, you know, every day it's lob league or fast pitch or tackle football or the same kids, you kind of have a lot lower, a lot more tight knit group when you, as you grow up, you know, I still talk to, you know, 23 of the kids I went to grammar school with to this day. So it's, uh, it is what it is, but that's, uh, that's life. Like you said, the tablet world it is. So, uh, yeah. who's your favorite yeah, players in the NFL now, fantasy football wise and NFL wise? Like who is out of all the players that ever played in the NFL before, who's your favorite player to watch on the football and who's your favorite player to have on your fantasy football team? Um, so past my favorite players to watch were Emmett Smith. I think the boys in the nineties were, I just couldn't stop watching them. You know, it was, it was the greatest show on earth between, you know, that receiving core Emmett Smith, Troy. And, um, I, I was a Cowboys fan growing up that changed, obviously, you know, geographically, that's not going to fly in, in the Boston area to be a Cowboys fan as you grow older. But you know, it was it was great watching them as a kid. And now um, I do love watching that Philly offense. I love Devonta Smith. I love his yeah. game. He's probably my favorite player, you know, as even as a Patriots fan. I don't care, man. He's I love watching him. I cheer for the Eagles if the if the Patriots are long gone, which I expect them to be long gone for the next decade or so. So um, I'm, I'm all in on Philly's offense. I love watching them. I love cheering for Hertz, especially his story, you know, coming up and getting replaced by two in that big game. And then, you know, really having everyone be out on him and just making it to the Super Bowl last year. Um, it's a good feel, good, good feeling. And know that Nick is probably going to listen to this and be happy about that too. But um, I, yeah, I love Devonta, AJ Brown. I think that whole offense in general is just something I love watching day to day and love out of my fantasy teams too. Yeah. I'm uh, I was always, I got a question for you. I was a Dolphins fan because I, you know, I live in Chicago, but I was a Dolphins fan because I love Dan Marino. The Dolphin, the Bears never had a quarterback in their entire franchise, and I love. I, I was an offensive lineman my whole life, and I love watching Dan Marino just sit behind a fantastic offensive line and pick apart every team on the planet. It was it was great, and I would have thought he went to more Super Bowls the, the entire time. But now, the Dolphins. I'm not a big fan of the Dolphins anymore because the the, the owners of the franchise suck. The, the team has sucked for a while. They're re, they're kind of in like a win now right now, but I'm not a big fan of Tua. I love Josh Allen. It's like, man, I don't want to root for a team anymore. You know, I have all these dynasty teams. I don't even care. I, I just want to watch a red zone and watch my guys score and stuff. Is it okay to just kind of switch my allegiance to like players at a time and be Josh Allen fan for 15 years and then switch to the next guy 15 years after 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 he's gone? Or how does that work, man? Am I am I a fair winner fan for doing that? I mean, honestly, people take sports a little too seriously. Sports one, it's you know. 
especially in the fantasy football community. Um, I know that some people would answer that a little differently, but for me, dude, I'm just having fun watching the game. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that red zone. I don't want to have a legion to one team. Um, even though like my heart is always going to be the Patriots because you know, that's just what it is. But ultimately, you know, I, if there's, you know, my teams and the fantasy world's going against the Patriots, I'm not going to be sad if, you know, AJ Brown scores a 98 yard touchdown on the Patriots. Like I'm, I'm up and I'm up, I'm dancing, dude. you know, like, I don't care. It's, um, I don't, I wouldn't fault you brother. You know, I still love you. I don't care who you're cheering for. So, um, I know that you put that on Twitter though. I'm sure, you know, but everything you put on Twitter is someone's going to be mad about it. Yeah. So, right. Who cares? Too bad. Yeah. Too bad. Speaking of red zone, what's your favorite when you sit down in red zone Sunday morning watching all the NFL games? What's the uh, what's your favorite food when you're sitting around watching red zone? Um, probably some wings. You know, there's a, a really good mom and pop spot near my house where um, I would always either order, you know, a bunch of wings and pizza or, um, you know, have that the night before and eat some cold pizza when I wake up in the morning. while turning on a stout hands and, and tune it in. Um, I do love cold pizza. So it's, you know, it's usually junk food. Um, I try to be good and not have the pizza every week, all week, but it's, it's so easy. Cause I have my one hand and I need, I need one handed food when I'm watching football so I can have this and this free, um, yeah. you know, if I can do the pizza with one hand and, and sip, then that's, that's fine with me. But there you go. There's there not, you go. I don't think I have a, a go go to, but yeah, it's always pizza and wings for me usually. You drink that Yingling stuff? What's your favorite beer? Nah, I mean it's it's always up in the air. I like like an easy drinking, like a like an day IPA or something, like something really light. Um, if I'm just if I'm just hanging, it's just gonna be like you know Bud Light, something something like whatever. But yeah, Yingling Yingling's fine. But I'm not, you know, if I'm if I'm just like just going for a long gym, it's going to be something, you know, light, easy drinking so that I'm just sitting there. I can eat my pizza and wings and not, you know, feel like I'm going to explode halfway through yeah. the, the four, four o'clock games or whatever. Yeah. My garage or my neighbor's garages or something like that. It's probably middle light and, uh, you know, some blue or pizzas or something like that, too. But if we go to a bar, a lot of bars out here have one dollar, 16 ounce drafts and they got like half price appetizers and like seven dollar like individual pizzas and stuff like that so it's like you get a yeah. pretty good time and you get these two dollar like uh blue moon is one of my favorite beers or you know smittix is one of my favorite beers too for two dollars 16 ounce blue moons on sunday afternoon you really can't beat that you know so it's no man that's i'll, I'll, I'll take it for sure for sure all right so you got any uh switch to commissioner stuff a little bit What's it, any commissioner dilemmas you have now or had in the past you want to discuss on the show? Like, what's something going on in like, the commissioner world that you ran into or you have right now that uh, you you know might need someone who commissioned a lot of leagues to like, kind of help you out with? I think it's more about keeping all my leagues active. You know, I, I commission a lot of leagues, and it's really, you know, that you find that certain leagues aren't being active. You know, there's – Either they're not responding to messages, not responding to trade offers, um, you know, just kind of checking out for the off season, you know, in dynasty, I have, I have a problem with that, you know, cause I think you should be 
active all year round. If you're going to choose to um, go into a dynasty league and commit your time and, and go with a bunch of different people, uh, I think you owe it to them and to yourself to be active or otherwise you're just doing a redraft league, you know, and um, just at least responding to trade offers or responding to messages and um, showing that you're, you're dead because I, I have a lot of people in certain leagues that, you know, they, they come back in, you know, August and, they're they're alive for that time until December or January, and then they check out. Um, and I'm I'm thinking, hey, what are you doing Dynasty for? You belong in a redraft league if that's the case. Um, that's I mean, there's not a lot of issues that I run into. Uh, startup problems once in a while, and um, you know, making making sure that trades are fair fair value and. Uh, I have a no no veto policy in most of my leagues. So I, I think if you're a grown adult and you are missing to make a trade with somebody, you know, you you did that. You made that decision. You hit you hit the send or accept on that trade. So um, unless it's egregious or unless there's some collusion involved in there, I think that's your decision. And, um, you know, I, in my years of dynasty, when I first started, I made some bad trades. I had no idea what pick values were. I had no idea what the value of a player was or the age, what mattered in actual value. And, um, you know, I learned the hard way and I think some people have to learn the hard way. So, um, I don't, I don't like to baby the guys in leagues. And I think, you know, you make that trade, you're just, you're going to live with it. You know what? Nine times out of ten. Non, no veto is uh, it's dynasty stable. I mean, there, there should be no reason to veto things in dynasty because even when people are like, that's the most collusion thing in the world. Somebody could break, you know, they, they pull like a Gus, Gus Edwards and you, you trade five first round picks for Gus Edwards or some crazy shit like that. But, and then he's out for two years or you, you, you draft somebody that Mac Jones, everybody thinks is going to be the most efficient quarterback in the world. And they traded this, that, and the other for Mac Jones. Or You never know what's going on. What, what, what Don't ever, ever like, don't uh, trade vetoes are like more of a redraft thing where you can see someone that's mm -hmm. right before week eight, somebody's eight, somebody's eight. No. So the other team's own eight and they trade their whole team away for, you know, nothing. And it's like, come on, man. That's, you know, that's, that's a uh, vetoes are more of a, it's definitely a redraft thing. They should never veto anything in dynasty. It, yeah. I think it's more of a karma thing in, in dynasty where even if you do those kind of things, it just has a way of sorting itself out, you know, that, that kind of deal. So I agree. Yeah. Uh, do you keep waivers on all season or you turn them like in my leagues, I turn them off. I turn my waivers off after, after the NFL, like a week after the NFL Super Bowl, I turn them off and then I leave them off all because people, some people are cops, firemen, you know, not everybody sit in front of a computer all day long. I work four on four hour rotating 12 hour shift schedule. So it's kind of like, I'm not going to, if some breaking news happens at a, you know, a half hour before our waiver runs and somebody runs a computer who's sitting there, it's kind of unfair. So we turn our waivers off, our trades run all season, but our waivers are off until like after our rookie draft, we'll have uh, which is coming up in a couple like a week or two or probably two three weeks from now and after th then we'll have two weeks after the rookie draft to kind of sort it out and then you have to get down to 30 30 players at that point in time and then a week after that we'll start uh waivers again in the off season the rest of the off season like daily waivers but you leave yours on the entire time um so the leagues that i have out of my discord they are on all the time i i have them running all the way through but i think with those leagues, these guys are a different breed of, of dynasty players, you know, where they're active all year round. And, um, the people that join my discord are usually gonna, you know, be locked in for the most part. And if, if somebody has an issue with that, um, I would definitely, 
oblige and, and help them out. And there's other leagues that I have where, you know, it's, it's more of, you know, we all are busy people. And, um, during the school year, I, I do, you know, until I'm, I'm making this a, a full-time job, you know, I'm, I'm definitely lacking on the waiver wire sometimes myself. Um, you know, more of my home leagues and, and a cer- certain number of Twitter leagues that I have, um, where the guys are from all over the place. We, we do have a, a certain period of time where the waivers are close, you know, so that, and then open them back up when it starts heating up a little bit towards yeah. the, um, a little bit, a little bit of time before the draft where things are starting to shake out. Um, but yeah, I think that I can see both sides of that. I think it's more league dependent than anything. You know, if you you have a bunch of guys, like you said, that are firemen, cops, or whoever that are, you know, during the nighttime working or busy during the day. And um, I, I, I see a reason for them. But then if you're committed to the degenerate side of, you know, yeah. staying up until three in the morning to wait until waivers clear. And um, there's there's a side for the waiver staying open on the, on those two. It's great when I work midnights and I work, cause I, I work like 12 hours on and off and, you know, when I'm working midnights, I'm sitting at work anyway, looking at, I'm like, all right, cool. What's on the waiver wire here? I wait till the waivers to, 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 to go through. If whatever, if whatever my waivers don't clear, I'm like, oh, cool. This guy wasn't picked up. That guy wasn't picked up. Everybody else is sleeping. So I love the waivers on it. I, I mean, I'm all for it, but as a commissioner, I think it's unfair that I had that advantage over other people who work, you know, teachers yeah. and doctors and stuff like that who can't, are never on their phone. So it's kind of more of a, uh, yeah, me being more fair to the league than it is me trying to keep everything else on the up and up, you know? So mm-hmm. that's, uh, I would love to keep waivers open all the time. Believe me, but I do a lot of damage to my team on waivers too. Don't, don't give me, I, I cut guys and the next day I'm like, shit, I cut them. And I had no, I'm the guy that just trades all my fab way right from the get go. So yeah, you're sitting, you're sitting at the bar drinking those $2 blue moons, man. And you're probably thinking, Oh, you know, Clyde Edwards is going to pop off. I know it. I got the feeling he's going to, he's going to come on this year. And, um, you're dropping stud guys for him, and then you wake the next. What the hell am I doing? Boom, boom, boom. All I've right, been, let's jump I've to some. Uh, yeah, exactly. I ruined a lot of teams like that. And as far as your offseason <laughs> stuff is concerned, I, I like I when I first started doing dynasty leagues, I thought the offseason was kind of slow sometimes. And I'd make a lot of stupid trades just because when a trade happens across the board, all, all of a sudden everybody else gets trade crazy. You know, they start getting the itch for make a trade because somebody else made a trade, and I would feel like I was my responsibility to make trades just to keep the league kind of going and, 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 you know, make sure there's bloodline, you know, blood flow in the league. And I, and I ruined a lot of teams earlier on in my dynasty career, just trying to keep my leagues that I started active. And I'm like, you know, why, why am I destroying my teams to keep the league happy? You know, I'm like, Oh, hold on. It'll just happen. And eventually I found out that the, you know, the leagues, the league does, if the people want to be in the league, will keep itself going. And it's, I, I, I wish I would have not put my team in such je- my early teams in such jeopardy earlier on, just to try and, like you said, keep that league active. But if yeah. you've got a good team and good owners, it'll be active. So just yeah. have patience. All right, yeah. so let's uh, let's discuss some depth charts. Uh, we're, we're here doing the uh, AFC and NFC West here. So um, we're going to do the Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, and Chargers and switch the NFC to the Cardinals, Rams, 49ers, and Seahawks. So what we're going to do is kind of look at the depth chart. We'll go position by position, and I'll uh, kind of talk to you about where you think uh, what's going on here. So let's start with the Broncos. So – we, we where everybody's expecting a big bounce back from Russell Wilson, you know, in the quarterback situation, you got Jared Stidham, uh, Jared Garan. I don't know how to say his name, Garano and Ben DiNucci as the backups here. So, I mean, I, Ru- Russell Wilson is kind of the guy here. They're, it is what it is. They signed him to a contract. He's, he's going to be the guy, Sean Payton offense. And then on offense, you got, you know, Javante who 
you know, they signed P Ryan this year so that they could have a situation where he could maybe pick up the slack earlier on and then him. But I mean, the depth chart is Tony Jones, Tamara Crockett, uh, Tyler Batty, Jackie's Patrick, a bunch of Tyler McAllister, nothing like that. So there's not much behind those guys. I think they're, I think they know a little more than we do about uh, Javante Williams recovery. So uh, just with those two positions so far, what do you have? What do you, what do you think about the quarterback and running back positions for, uh, for the Broncos? Uh, yeah. So, you know, I like Peyton coming in. Obviously I think that that offense is going to look a little differently than, um, it did last year when, you know, it was pretty inefficient and I noticed that they weren't really playing to Russ's skill set. You know, it was more like they're trying to make him, I think they, they initially thought the was going to be on that team. You know, I think that's what, what the game plan was, the coaching structure and everything. I think they, they had plans for a different running uh, quarterback and then they got Russ, but they weren't really prepared to play into the Russ game. You know, his skill set that makes Russ cook, you know, he's not a, a pure pocket passer. They're really trying to make him in the pocket and, you know, not scramble and, and just, it was messy. So I, I think they're going to, you know, readjust that and, and hopefully change up um, how they approach his game because he's on a, he's locked in. You know, he's, he's not going anywhere. He's got right. that big contract. Um, so they got to write the ship or, you know, they're going to, they're going to eat, they're going to eat their money up and it's not going to look good. Um, with Javante, I expect like a Dobbins type of year this year um, where he's going to so far be healthy and then he's not going to be healthy and then he's going to be healthy again. And then fantasy managers aren't going to really know what the hell to do with them for the most part for the first six or eight weeks of the, of the year. I think it'll be a Pirine heavy um, game plan for the most part. And I think he's going to be the guy that you really want to get great value right now. I think everyone still is kind of valuing has him as a handcuff. Um, Javante still has great value as a whole for somebody that is coming off of um, a pretty significant injury. But, you know, even like a Barkley, the year after he came back from just a, a ACL tear, um, he was not, you know, efficient. He didn't play regularly. Um, he was in and out of games. And, right. um, and, and we're talking like a Dobbins type of injury where it's a little more um, than just the knee. You know, he's got a, a couple other ligaments that he's dealing with and, um, it's not going to be a clean recovery or he's not going to just jump back into a workload. He's probably going to be babied for the first, you know, six games or so. And I think he could be a good player for you at the end of the season, maybe into the, the fantasy playoffs, but I don't know if I trust him for the first half of the season, at least, um, because it's not, it's not a clean injury. It's, it's pretty messy. And, um, we did see been, you know, Say he was healthy, come in, play a couple snaps, get out, you know, miss mm -hmm. game, come back in. Um, he was playing with our heartstrings. I think he's he's a great play this year, but um, I don't think I want any part of Bonte the first half of the season. And and that's just kind of how those injuries go. I think next year he's gonna be great, but you don't I don't want to play somebody the year after a major knee injury. So Samaje can't have ninety or uh, ninety-seven touches a game, so I mean, who else on this bench? I everybody Tyler Batty was a, was a was a uh, fan favorite for a little while, but I mean, Tony Jones Jr. was somebody that was, you know, people rostered a year or two ago when other injuries happened. Is I mean, who else are you trying to 
who's the diamond in the rough on the rest of this offense you could pick up uh, for cheap right now that when the season starts, maybe a go-to guy. That's tough because I don't know. Um, a lot of nobodies. Like Tony Jones, Demara Crockett, Tyler Batty, and then you, like I said, you got Tyler McAllister, Jaleel McLaughlin, Jackie's Patrick. Like that's a lot of. Uh, yeah, we're talking <laughs> flipping a coin, flipping a coin between Batty and Jones, and I think if it was anybody, it would probably be Jones. You know, he got a little bit of a run on Seattle last year. Um, I've seen him play. You know, we we have yeah. not seen batty um even really touch the field at all in the nfl um so unless he has a great camp and i'm hearing some hype on him or um you know i i, I don't know if trust buddy but if it was somebody i'd have to go with tony jones yeah um all right tony so jones at least had a year last a game i think that you could have played him last year one so flashes anyway yeah 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 uh, I'm a Tyler Batty guy. I think I'd take him over to Tony Jones, but that's just, uh, you know, it's preference. Only time will tell, but, yeah. you know, you got to grab somebody. It is what it is. It's you know, On top of that, we only have 12 team, 30 man rosters, is what I'm at for our offense. No kickers, no defenses. So you can't take the whole league on your roster either. So if there's nobody valuable here, there's nobody valuable here. It is what it is, kind of thing. So yeah, we'll move the receiver. Like, uh, you know, right now the star on this team is Jerry Judy. You got Marvin Mims. They drafted Marvin Mims. Corden Sutton is somebody who, is rumored to be the guy out, the odd man out, trade him. Then you got Handler, Marquez Callaway, Montreal Washington, Jalen Virgil, uh, Brandon Johnson, Tim Patrick, Kendall Hinton, with Jordan Humphreys, uh, the drafted Taylor Grimes, or, you know, so what, or he's just somebody that is going to fill a roster spot or probably get camp cut. What, what are you thinking about this as far as the passing game is concerned? You got you got Greg Dulcich, Albert O, who, uh, you know, another guy who people are waiting to, to, to pan out. Chris Manhurts, uh, Adam Troutman, who they traded for, and Nate Atkins they drafted. But, again, it just seems like it's it's Greg Dulcich, Albert O, Albert o and then, you know, I don't know what Troutman's going to do besides be a mentor in this offense. The whole receiving game, like, in a capsule. What are we thinking here as far as what players do you want on your fantasy team from this roster? Yeah, I, I love their offense. You know, I think Dulcich is is one of the most high-rising um, young tight ends in the game right now. Um, he's that, like, chig tier where, you know, he, he flashed a lot last year and he can easily jump up into um, a very playable asset. Uh, so he, he's a riser in the, the young tight end um, tier for me. But, uh, you know, Jerry Judy, I think, is somebody that everyone's in on right now. They are all predicting him to have his his breakout year. Um, everyone every year feels like it's it's Judy's year but um I I believe it with Sean Payton that he probably will profile as the one of this offense um I think that it would probably go Judy Sutton will probably have some playable games um I don't feel great about him and I think Mims is somebody that will probably rise up as the year goes on, he might not get a lot, a lot of snaps to start. Um, but I think he probably will gain decent value and even maybe jump Sutton on the, on the, um, on the, the chart there as the number two, I think he, he could, um, profile as the two when the year's all said and done. Um, so I, I do agree that Sutton's probably the, the man out, um, eventually. I don't know if they're going to trade him this year, um, or if they're they're just gonna outright replace him next year, but um, he doesn't. He feels like the most unsafe pass catcher out of those three. 
Yeah, no, I get it. And I feel like Sean Payton might come in here and run a little couple two to two tight end sets, and then you'll, you'll there'll be a wide receiver out anyway with just two guys on the outside, possibly. So maybe they're just going with Judy and Mims, and they'll keep uh, Dolchich and maybe Troutman in for a blocker or or maybe figure out some way to use Albert O that he hasn't been used yet. So we'll see what happens there. But in a nutshell, this offense only has a handful of producers, and even them, you know, we're not sure about Sutton and we're not really sure about Javante. So it's they got some growing pains here in Denver. Yeah, hopefully Sean, Sean Payton will figure this stuff out. But a little bit uh, – the next team we're going to do is the Chiefs here. Now, this is a very high-powered offense, but there never seems to be a – like besides Travis Kelsey, there never seems to be a guy. It's You know, and then on top of that, you got Mahomes – Nobody's playing if Mahomes is healthy. So Blaine Gabbard, Shane Bouchel, you know, Chris Oladakin, whatever I'm at. And then you got Pacheco, who is – I honestly feel that they didn't draft a running back in this class because they're going to be able to follow the likes of Dalvin Cook or, you know, somebody else that might get cut from somewhere else for a salary cap or some other reasons. So you got him and Jarrett McKinnon produced a little well last – you know, pretty well last year. And you got CEH, who, like we mentioned earlier in the show, you know, who knows what's going to happen with CEH. They spent a first-round pick on him. He hasn't shown anything yet, but this is a tough offense to learn. Maybe he finally picked it up a little bit, or maybe they'll have him in a rotation a little bit. Uh, in a draft, they picked up Rasheed Rice. Uh, they got Rasheed Rice. They got Sky Moore is, is back again. Uh, people are really down on him right now. I think he's a dynasty buy, but uh, what are you spending your money on? If he doesn't pan out again this year, then he's definitely going to be a uh, – I wouldn't pay too much for him. Kadarius Tony's another guy that's – yeah, hey, he's great. He's he's a really good player when he's healthy, first of all, and second of all, when he you know when he's not being a fool, I guess you know it's an easy way to put it. But Richie James, an electric player, MVS is just a field stretcher kind of thing. Justin Ross, everybody loved him when he got drafted. He's got some back problems. You never know. Justin Watson, you know, then that's a bunch of nobodies. John Ross, a speedster. I, Amir Smith Marset, a special teams guy. Jerry on early pick, you know, picked up, and then you got Kelsey, who is a team. The, the, he leads, he's the number one target by far in his whole team. Noah Gray, I don't think he was even a sufficient backup if something happened to Kelsey or any, any other tight ends in this team. Real fast on the Patriots, what's what do you what do you feel about this depth chart? Well, it's funny you said the Patriots because oh, it reminded me, remind me a lot of the Patriots. I was actually going to say that. When Tom Brady you know, was the best quarterback in the NFL and he had Gronkowski and then it was nobody. You know, It was like – yeah, who would who would Troy Brown or somebody? You know, they were just throwing the ball to whoever. Um, but the offense was electric still, and that's kind of what we see with the Chiefs. You know, it's Mahomes and Kelsey, and then it's a bunch of guys that are okay, and they they might you know pan out. Um, Mahomes will make them look good for sure, and if Tony stays healthy, I think he's probably the one in this offense. Um, Rasheed Rice is probably file as. The, the big play two maybe it's hard because it's a coin flip. I don't know. People are in on Sky more. People are out on Sky more. They could say he's gonna he's gonna be the juju this year. Um, I don't know if I. It's gonna be tough. Um, you know. So I think I think I want a piece of Tony and Rasheed Rice if I'm gonna buy anybody in this offense um, outside of you know untouchables when it comes to Mahomes and Kelsey. Um, yeah, and then they probably have to sign a um, veteran running back. There's a generic Prince who was undrafted that they scooped up. Um, so I don't know if they're going to battle with um, Pacheco and Prince. It doesn't feel like it's going to be enough, but I think the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire really burned them to the point where they're not going to spend any draft capital on a running back anymore. Um, 
he, he left a bad taste in all the fantasy managers mouth. And then also he really ruined the chiefs front office too. Cause they're not going to, they're not going to spend any money on a, on a running back anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I just feel like, like he's, yeah, like you said, there's not much talent on his team individually. Kadarius Tony does have a chance to be number one here, but I'm not really sure. Like how the, I think it's okay. Like Mahomes is just happy with every play having, there won't be any fantasy superstars here. It'll be, you know, three passes this guy, five passes this guy, seven passes this guy, and next week it'll just play next man up, next man up again, and just keep rotating across the roster. So I know we just get Kelsey and Mahomes and the rest, you're going to have to piecemeal together. Yeah. I don't know if be reaching for any guys in that offense um, besides the uh, the two studs there. It's going to be tough. Right. Like you said, it'll probably be up up and down for, for fantasy production um, between those guys for sure. So what do you think about the Raiders offense? How what, it changed a little bit here. We got some new faces, but the, the workhorse is still around. Tell me what you think about the Raiders offense. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, Devontae Adams is, is QB proof. I think he proved that last year where he's going to just, he's going to get his regardless of who's throwing the ball and what's going on. Um, I like Jimmy Jimmy as a gamer. I think he's going to do what he needs to do to make people at least start you know, he's not going to be throwing for, you know, 30, 40 times a game and for 500 yards, but he'll, he'll get you the ball in meaningful situations and he'll get you in the, in the end zone. Um, I, th- I think Michael Mayer is going to, going to pop this year um, for a rookie tight end. He'll probably have a, a pretty decent ceiling um, because, you know, we, we saw what Jimmy does to his tight ends. You know, he, he really fed Kittle and, and I think he, he'll be a, a good safety blanket for Jimmy when he's doing the dinking and dunking that he loves to do, you know, the little short passes and the little slant routes and stuff. Um, I think mayor will probably really um, benefit from that, that game style. And then Jacobs is Jacobs. He's going to, he's going to have a year. I think um, he's trying to get that contract. So he's probably a little unhappy. Um, and then will they have Zamir white in the backfield tool. Um, maybe he gets some play this year. I don't know, but I don't know if I want anybody behind Jacobs. Be honest, it's it's not a not a backfield that I'm ju- I'm aiming for. I, people were really really crazy about Zamir White coming out of college. Like you know, last year they were making fun of Javas Jacobs in the training camp, saying oh he's making him play in all the preseason games. Zamir White's going to be the guy. I, I mean, it do and and then Zamir White was was sat on a bench behind Amir Abdullah, and and it's like man. I thought Samir White was going to be this awesome, this awesome guy, and they saw what they have. And Jacobs has been a really good running back, super underrated this entire time in the NFL. So, are you buying Samir White for people who have him as a as a handcuff? Aren't getting rid of him? They know that it's a huge workload if Jacobs goes down. So, are you buying Samir White right now in the offseason? And what what would you trade to get Samir White if you even wanted him in your team? Because I think he's the second best back on this team. I think maybe he just needed a little growing pains this rookie year. But what what do you? Are you if you had Jacobs, or let's just say somebody else in your league had Jacobs, what are you paying for Zamir White right now? Like, what what traffic would you trade away to get Zamir White? Man, I think you could probably get Zamir White for like a twenty four third right now. I think you could yeah. get him for pretty cheap. Or you know, if you haven't done your rookie draft yet, you could probably get him for like a two twelve or something late, like a a late second, early third, or you know, I'm, I'm fine with paying like an early third for him because he probably offers the same upside as any you know, third round, fourth round running back that you're going to get in that, that area anyways. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll pay that. And people probably would accept that because they, they don't <sighs> think he's going to out to anything either. 
Okay, this is my this is my big because I just had this the other day. You're at late in the second round. Would you take Matabatakanda or just take Zamir White? You're on the clock at the late second. Matabatakanda is on the clock. Do you want him or you want Zamir White? Oh man, yeah, I want. I want Izzy. I think I do. Um, I love Izzy. Yeah, because he's great, and you know he fell in the draft a bit, but he fell to an actual decent spot because we we know that. You know, the ACL isn't – we just talked about it with Javante. Um, these these guys, even though they're they're superhuman, they don't come back right away from these these bad knee injuries, you know. It takes some time. And I wouldn't be surprised if Brees Hall took a couple games or if he came back and was uh, limited for, for, for the first couple games and Izzy just – um, got a got a lion's share of the workload, you know. If they they give Izzy like 60 40 or something to start off, um, as they baby him back, he could gain some good value early in the season. So I think he has a good um pathway. Where Zamir mm-hmm. White, you know, he's going to be sitting unless Jacob go, goes down, right? Yeah, I get it. I get it. What about the wide receivers? Are you taking are you trying to pick up a Jacoby Myers or a Trey Tucker or a drafted or Hunter Renfro who might have a little bit of a bigger uh a bigger workload as a slot receiver in this offense because Jimmy G's not known to throw the crazy downfield. So Devontae Adams, although he's a great receiver and quarterback proof, you know, I'm not sure he fits Devontae Adams' skill set, uh, you know, as we would know as an outside receiver. So what is who else you go besides Devontae Adams? Do you want anybody else on this team? I don't know because it's tough because we talked about how Jimmy isn't going to throw, you know, 35, 40 times a game. So I don't know if he can he can really secure multiple fantasy assets in right. a game. I think Renro they they gave Trey Tucker like a pretty decent. What did he go? He went in the second or the I can't remember where he went. He went early though. Um, you I don't have it up. Yeah, I don't have it up. But they took they took Trey Tucker. Um, I think with pretty decent draft capital, but I don't think I want any part of him either. So if I'm going to throw a dart, I probably want Reno, you know, cause we saw what he was when he was alone without Waller yeah. on that team a couple of years ago, he, he flashed, he showed that, you know, he can be a good slot guy. So if I think if anybody, it's, it's probably gonna be Renfro. Day two draft capital for Trey Tucker, second round or third round pick and a number 23 in round three. So it's a, you know they yeah. spend a little money on him. He's not it's not like he's not he's not expendable or not like that. But still, a second round draft capital is pretty important in uh, for in the NFL. So I get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's 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 free too. I think people are not even drafting him in rookie drafts. So you could probably grab him on the wire in most leagues. Yeah, Jimmy. Uh, I mean, Michael Mayer probably might be the best op- the best second option on this team. So. Uh, besides Adams, I'm not sure Jacob's going to have a, tons in the pass in the, in the passing game. But I, I'm honestly thinking that it's if if you talk about receivers or, or flex players, it'll probably be Devontae Adams, and then I mean it might be by by force Michael Mayer. I mean I, I think he's already a, 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 like an NFL ready tight end, but Michael Mayer may be more of a better football player than a fantasy football player. So you got to be careful about that. Yeah, so, but, but it'll be on the field. All right, so everybody's favorite team that. Just seems to choke all the time. The Chargers here, they got got Herbert, and then uh, as we all know, that that'll be it. If it, if that's something goes, you got Max Duggan, Easton Stick, then you got Austin Eckler, right? Which is a trade candidate this year, and then Josh Kelly, Isaiah Spiller, who didn't pan out his rookie year, 
Larry Roundtree, a bunch of nobodies. And then you got, they drafted Quentin Johnson, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer's kind of underrated in some circles right now, especially if something was to happen to, uh, you know, when it, they got rid of one of the receivers, uh, Keenan Allen got hurt or something like that. Or, you know, if they got rid of Austin Eckler, maybe a couple more receiver uh, targets across the middle. And then you got, you know, Darius Davis, who they drafted. Gerald Everett, who I think this year is a sleeper pick. If, God forbid, if something happens to Keenan Allen and they do trade away Austin Eckler, I think Austin, Gerald Everett is someone who's going to suck up a lot of targets. But that's just me. Everybody's got their opinion. He might be quarter. He might be tight end 27 again and be absolutely useless, you know, like some, for some, you know, half the season. But what do you think about this Chargers offense? Because it seems to be high power, but they just don't seem – they just can't never, like, go over the top with, with winning games. We saw it in the playoff game versus the Jaguars last year where they started out hot and they just couldn't get things going again. What? Tell me about the Chargers. Yeah, I, I think with the coaching change a little bit, they, they might um, – I think Herbert would probably get a little more open looks. I think he was playing through an injury last year too. He's one of my favorite guys to bounce back because um, last year was just – you know, it was a rough year for him. It was a rough year for that offense in general. You know, um, Mike Williams was in and out. Keenan Allen was out for half the year almost. Um, you know, they were piecing together the, the offense. And um, I think they're going to they're gonna jump in production this year. I like Clinton Johnston as a, a three, like a third option in that offense. Um, he'll probably line up in three wide route sets. And I do like Jared too. I think he's great as a, like an underneath receiver, the safety blanket. He's just, you know, if, if they trade Eckler, you know, Gerald, Gerald Everett to the moon, cause he's going to take all those little dump offs. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. And I they trade Eckler and don't get anybody back. I don't know. I mean, I think, um, yeah, yeah, they, they got to have somebody. They got to get somebody because, <laughs> yeah, they got to get like a, a Fournette or like a Kareem Hunt, something like that. Kareem yeah. Hunt would be good. Somebody that can, um, that has decent hands, you know, make little catches that Eckler made all his money off of. Um, but yeah, I, I like this offense. I, I love this offense. Um, I don't know if they're going to be as successful as. Um, they should be in real life than they will in fantasy. But, you know, I think there's three startable um, fantasy wideouts on this team. I think, you know, you could probably start everyone on this team between Herbert Eckler, the three wideouts, and Gerald Everett. You know, they're, they're probably all starts, and they might have, you know, boom or bust games because there's so many options on this team. But they're all, you know, possibly be top 30 wide receivers this year if, if, they get the the offense hump like it was the first years of Herbert's career, but what's your thoughts on an Austin Eckler for Joe Mixon trade in the real in the NFL? I think that's a fleece on. Uh, I think that's a fleece for the Eckler side, but you know, if if they're just trying to get out of each guy, you know, I, yeah. I wouldn't fault either one. Um, I don't think Joe Mixon is dead. I think no. he's losing a little bit. I don't think Eckler is even close to falling off, to be honest, because his game just translates really well for the next couple of years. Uh, he's in the best shape of his life, probably. And he, you know, he's just that he's built like that. He's yeah. a guy that hasn't really, he wasn't a starter until he was like 20, 24 years old, 25. So he had a late start. Um, yeah. yeah a good, I mean, really good undrafted free agent. Yeah. It just kind of panned out. Yeah. I mean, uh, I love the offense. I think they only improved it. Um, so I guess we'll see, you know, like you said, they they choke every year. So who 
who knows if it's Herbert or if it's been the coaching or what, but we're going to find out, right? We are going to find out. Yes. 100%. So let's switch to the uh, opposite side of the spectrum here. We'll go to the NFC. We'll start with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, just man, they are a mess. So you, I'm just going to let you, here you go. Here's the ball. Tell me about the Cardinals. All right. Yeah. Um, I think the Cardinals are probably going to try to really just throw this year. Um, with Kyler out the year, I think they're probably going to just say, this is a rebuild. We're going to um, kind of punt for this year and just see what we have. I think Colton Toon might, might actually be the starter when it's all said and done on that team. I think the, they, they drafted him um, with no expectations, and I think he probably could beat out Colt McCoy, who's been injured off and on more than Kyler actually. So um, I don't know if we, even Colt McCoy would, would last a whole year. Um, I don't think they're going to bring Kyler back at all. Cause I think they can easily get a really high draft pick this year. And it'll be an offense that I don't know if I want much to do with, you know, in, in dynasty, obviously, you know, Hopkins is going to get his from here and there. He's, he's, he produced last year with whoever um, it was tough though. A tough sled and he, he didn't get easy, easy looks, but he still had a decent fantasy production. Um, Hollywood is, I think, the one that's going to get affected the most by Tyler. I think he'll probably uh, be a, a low-floor guy for a little while. Um, and then what do we have? James Conner. James Conner will have a good year this year because they might just try to um, abuse him in the backfield and you know, with a possible rookie quarterback or somebody that is a veteran. He's probably going to get a lot of handoffs, a lot of just chunk work, and he's going to get a lot of production based off of um, the quantity of touches he gets. Um, but I don't know if I missed anybody on there. I'm the guy who, who rosters Keontae Ingram on every on every on every roster right now. So I'm uh, not, not that I, not that I don't like James Conner, but I just think that he is someone that is he's he, I, I'm not sure how much he could take as far as what his. Is. Yeah, I, and Ingram is somebody I always liked. I just feel like he's, especially what you can get him for right now. I know people know he's the handcuff behind James Conner, and that people love holding on to handcuffs. But I mean, you could offer a, a probably a early third, late, you know, early third, and get and get Kathy Ingram pretty easy in, in a lot of leagues. And people, yeah, absolutely. Rondell Moore, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Wilson, who they drafted. I, Michael Wilson's kind of underrated as far as I'm concerned. Maybe not this year, but for dynasty wise. Someone to take. I even like Greg Dorch. Greg Dorch is, is super underrated. You could trade a fifth round pick and Greg Dorch and let him sit on a 30 spot in your roster. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, to someone I like a lot. And Zach Ertz, I think he's the Trey This might be the Trey McBride kind of breakout year. I, you know, even though Ertz was hurt half the year and McBride didn't do too much last year, I, I think this year he might have a lot bigger role in an offense that kind of doesn't have an identity right now, especially if Colt McCoy started the season or if they got to start with like Clayton Toon, you know, something like that. So who knows? This is a this is a tough with with this team. I honestly think this team is just tanking, you know, to get for the Caleb Wilson, Caleb Williams uh, sweepstake, and they're just going to trade Murray yeah. in, at the end of the year. So that's what everyone's thinking right now. Um, well, and, you, and everybody and, thinks the same thing. That usually never happens. So yeah, the whole the whole think tank thing where it's a yeah. human centipede, and everyone is feeding the same idea to everyone else, and. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that, that would be. It would. They'd have to get rid of Hopkins. But yeah, they'd have to they'd get rid of Hopkins. The whole thing down. Exactly. Yeah, it would that's be Hollywood what... and and McBride, and that's about the entire offense that would stay. Mike Wilson, if he stays healthy too. 
Yeah, I mean, if they get rid of if they get rid of uh, Hopkins and send him somewhere, like they should, especially if they don't have a quarterback the first half of the season. You know, that let the young kids start out. Maybe even trade Marquise Brown away. I know you just got him, but I mean, it's it's if you're going to break down, just break down. You know, it is what it is. And it, this team is I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, especially in a, de- a pretty decent division with some pretty good uh, contenders ar- around around you. But this is a pretty bad division. There's a couple of really good teams and a couple of really bad teams. So. Yeah. Speaking of really good teams, let's jump to the 49ers here. You got Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, Sam Darnold, who is my Twitter, my offseason Twitter darling, because I'm not sure what's going to happen with Lance. And, you know, it's, I hear the reports saying he's throwing better and, oh, he's the best thing ever. But everybody in camp is the best thing ever right now. And Brock Purdy, if he's not healthy yet, Sam Darnold gets a chance. This team is too good to lose games. I mean, you're going to put anybody back there, a quarterback, and a team to do pretty, pretty well. You saw Brock Purdy win how many games in a row with just as a, as an under, you know, what is he a drafted free agent or a, a seventh round pick or something like that? Yeah, he, he was like a late last round quarterback. Yeah, you got yeah. McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, uh, TDP, Jordan Mason. It's it's uh, Jordan Mason's not even bad, and he's the, he's like the seventeenth option on his depth chart for running back. You got Debo, who's a, you could do anything. Brandon Ayuk's a, a really good receiver. Danny Gray is an underrated receiver for, you know, where he's at on his depth chart. You got a bunch of, you know, Jawan Jennings, Ray Ray McLeod, Chris Conley, Willie Sneed, Daz Newsome. And, you know, it falls. This Willie Sneed, Daz Newsome kind of, after that, it just kind of drops off. You know, those guys kind of start to fall off the uh, the radar here. But you got George Kittle, uh, Braden Willis, Cameron Lutu. It's, uh, this team is it's pretty stacked. And on top of that, they have a really good defense. So they don't have to do much in offense. And they got a really good, uh, a really good depth. I, I see they're one of the deepest teams in the league as far as talents wise concerned. You know, so tell yeah. me your thoughts on the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, I think in a Shanahan system, you nailed it. Where they could have anybody at quarterback, and that team would be pretty successful. You know, offensively, they would just have to be a game manager. And Brock Purdy proved that you you don't have to be the best passer or you know be the sharpest on your feet or you know uh, make the best decisions to be successful on that team. Um, so yeah, I I don't know what's going to happen with quarterback. You know, Trey Lance is his draft capital and the way that that trade went down. And I I would have to imagine that they give him a shot because of everything they invested in him, but I've seen teams do whatever to, to players that they invested in. They don't care. Um, they just want to win. So if Trey Lance doesn't offer that, yeah, I think, you know, Brock Purdy's the guy or, Hey, I, I know a lot of people all in on Sam Darnold right now too. Um, five-star Maddie. I, I see you out there. He's probably going to listen in on this. I know Dar- Darnold's his guy. Um, but yeah, I, I, you can't, I don't know if they're going to even – it's not going to matter who's at quarterback because, yeah, they have Christian McCaffrey. They have Debo, um, who's that hybrid, you know, do whatever for you. He can be the running back, do the slot guy. He can run out outside. He's just um, the greatest utility player in, in the NFL. And then Ayuk is somebody that I'm really high on this year. Um, he showed up, and he actually was the, the one on that team last year. So I think he's going to benefit from – uh, a Brock Purdy or even a Trey Lance. Um, yeah. And, and their, their depth is huge. Um, Chris McCaffrey could go down and, and they wouldn't miss a beat for the most part. Um, they're running backs. Like you said, he's, they have three pretty decent starting running backs on that team. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all in on the 49ers this year. I don't yeah. like I said, it doesn't matter who's on the quarterback. I think they're gonna be in the NFC championship game no matter what. Um 
you know, unless something catastrophic happens, if CMC goes down or, or something, you know, something big would have to happen for them not to, to go deep into the playoffs this year. They barely lost to the Eagles in the, in the NFC championship game last year. And I honestly think they would have won a Super Bowl if they would have stayed healthy or just had Brock Purdy didn't break his elbow, like in the middle of the game, you know, that's, they would have won a Super Bowl, I think, in my opinion, last year. They're just too talented of a team not to. It just sucks that that yeah. had to happen. So it is what it is. All right, so the Seahawks, Geno Smith, uh, he kind of proved that he's a, definitely a sufficient quarterback. Drew Locke is behind him. You know, well, we all seen the Drew Locke story. I, I still like the guy, but NFL doesn't like him at all. It, he's, it's, the Seahawks almost had him. They being a starting quarterback until he got COVID. Geno took over in the rest of his history. Ken Walker. They drafted Zach Charbonnet, who, hear me now, believe me later, he'll have more fantasy points at the end of the year than Ken Walker will this year. So that, that may be not a hot take for some people, but I think it's Zach Charbonnet is a better all-around running back than Ken Walker is. Kenny McIntosh, Brent Kulbeck, Kobiak. Then the receiving core, DK Metcalf, they drafted JSN, Tyrell Lockett, and then, you know, it falls off. The, you got Drake Young and Dwayne Askridge, a bunch of nobodies. Noah Fant, if he could kind of put things together – him and Will Disley are both like solid tight ends. Noah Fant's a little bit more of a receiver, but you know that's a this is a pretty damn good depth chart. And they it, the Seahawks, although they're not great on defense, Pete Carroll's a defensive minded coach. So, you know, what do you what do you think the Seahawks team's going? Because I feel like it's a little, they're they're like a sleeping giant, kind of unrated a little bit. And they did they do a lot. They had some bad games, but I think they're going to finally put the stuff together with a player like JSN kind of thrown in the mix now. Yeah, I love the Seahawks this year. I'm rooting for, um, I'm rooting for that team. You know, they have a lot of guys that I, I would love to see go deep in the playoffs. I love DK. I love Tyler Lockett. Um, JSN is my my wide receiver one of this class. And Gino, I, I a good good feels a feel good story. Sorry, um, he's just somebody that you know nobody ever saw getting to this point where he's just the starting quarterback for a team. He's been a backup all his career and. Um, I would love to see him continue this. You know, I, I'm hoping that that wasn't an outlier last year and, and he's really going to bring it and uh, motivated from play last year because he's in a good system. Um, he doesn't have to do too much. You know, with all those those big play um, guys around him, he right. he really just has to get the ball in the hands of a DK or um, one of their running backs. And, you know, I love, I like Kenneth Walker, but I do love sharp too. And I, I don't know how that's going to play out. I don't really have a, a strong take on either one. Um, I think they're, they're probably going to be a really good duo. Sharp is definitely a better pass catcher. Um, so I think he's probably going to get all the passing work in that, in that offense. And I think they might be two really starting, um, running backs for fantasy, um, once kind of shake out, the the snap share and everyone's play style and I'm, I'm excited for this offense i really am i think it's going to be amazing and um to have those wide receivers have vsn line up across from dk and yeah noah fant was profiled as one of the top tight end prospects ever um I'm really waiting for him to hit. He's been somebody that is cheap in startups, and I've been grabbing him wherever I could. Um, so I think, yeah, as an offense, they they have a a top five um, offense in the NFL. Yeah, you know, uh, if Gino if Gino is Gino of last year, that offense is scary, very scary. That's what I'm saying. Like the the Seahawks and the Four Niners are just so good, and then you got the Cardinals, and, and then you get the Rams. You know, it's like man. 
I, the Rams go, they got Stafford back, which, you know, we're, we're going to see. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, the echo chamber of Twitter says Matthew Stafford is this. He's not recovered. He's never going to be the same. His neck's still hurting. You know, you got Stetson Bennett who, you know, whatever. It is what it is. He's Stetson Bennett. You know, we'll, he's, what, 29 years old already? So, yeah, uh, he's the same age as Stafford, I think. <laughs> and you got Cam Akers, Zach Evans, uh, Tyrone Evans, or uh, Terry, Tyon Evans. And then Kieran Williams, who the uh, Kyron Williams, they, they thought he'd be something never really panned out. And then you got you know, Cooper Cup. He's Cooper Cup. He's one of the best in the league. He's, as long as if Stafford's healthy and Cooper Cup is healthy, those two, I mean, it's honestly probably besides Cam Akers, those are Bobby, by far your best fantasy options on here. If Akers comes out and they give him his chance again, he's definitely a, uh, a, a, a fantasy option. Option. I know they got Zach Evans. They drafted Zach Evans and Tyon Evans, but I think they're going to give the ball to Cam, uh, Cam Akers to start the season. Tyler Higby is somebody who just I have a lot of hope and dreams kind of are gone with him. Good tight end, but you know nothing special. You know you got Tutu Atwell and Ben Scourneck and Puka Nakua, who people are. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Puka Nakua either. Lance McCutcheon, Austin Trammell, Tyler Hudson. You know nothing crazy after the first. After Cooper Cup, it's Van Jefferson and two, possibly Tutu Atwell for a couple points here and there, but that's about it. What do you? What, how do you? How do you think this Rams team shakes out? I feel like they they went for all, they rolled the dice, they won the Super Bowl, and now it's just it, it, they they it feels like you know somebody who's just past their prime and it's time to retire. Let them just get rid of everything and start from scratch. Tell me about the Rams offense here. Yeah, the Rams are that dynasty team that sold all their assets to win the championship. They won. And um, now there's internet and Ezekiel Elliott as their running backs. And, you know, they don't know what to do with their team anymore. So it's, it's tough. Cause I, I root for Stafford. I like Stafford a lot. And I think how this team's success goes is how Stafford is, you know, if he's healthy and he's okay and he's back to, you know, efficient Stafford and he's throwing bombs and, um, I, I think could be okay. Um, but I don't want to put all my eggs in the basket of a healthy Stafford because if Stafford isn't healthy, then Stetson Bennett is the quarterback. And if Stafford's out, I think Cup is – I don't really think they even – I think Cup is traded if Stafford is to. injured or he's got to go because there's no way he's going to just sit there in the, the tail end of his career – and and want to just hang out and and die out with Stafford on that roster. So, right. um, I don't know. I mean, they could they could be okay. Um, they're definitely a if healthy team, and that's all. It's just a healthy team. That's what they need to be decent. Um, right. But I don't think they're ever going to finish. You know, top. They could sneak into the playoffs if they if Stafford remains healthy and. Um, if Akers gets the run that he got last year at the end of the year, um, it's not an offense I'm I'm banking on or buying into. Um, I wouldn't. I, I would probably go sell Cup. Yes. For um, some some good pieces if I if I had him on one of my rosters because um, I think you know he's going to go the way of Stafford. So um, it's his window not too wide open for me. I am fishing for Cam Akers a little bit, but it seems like I'm kind of drawing worms instead of fishing at this point in time because the people who have him, I aren't going to give up on him, and I'm not paying what he's really worth. So it's 
my worms are just sitting in the water waiting for anybody to take or counter some offers. You know, I got like, a lot of rejections. And I send other stuff back. And that's all I ask for is people to just kind of counter instead of just reject yeah. my offers. That's all you can – that's kind of a respectful thing to do as far as I'm concerned. That's that's what I ask everybody to do in my leagues. But I got a lot of uh, just rejections because, you know, I said if you like my offer, if it's close, give me a counter, tell me who you like on my team. If it's that blatantly obviously bad, you can just reject it, and I'll kind of know that it wasn't even close. I get it, but – Get a lot of rejections, even for like mid second round, early second round picks for Cam Akers. I think that's a pretty fair trade, and just for a straight out yeah. rejection, people must really love Cam Akers. So I don't love them that much. I'm okay with a mid second round pick for Akers, but that's about as far as I'm going to go. So they can reject all you want, go pound sand clowns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk to my boy John and make sure that you communicate with him. Don't just reject his offers because that's rude and not okay. All right. The goal here is an hour show. It's an hour and four. So we didn't make it. It is what it is. It's kind of like, wah, 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 wah. But I had a good time. I don't care if they go two hours, whatever. I, it was it was yeah. awesome having you on today. Uh, Dude, so, I'm glad. And I'm going to have to get you on uh, Dynasty G-Gens coming up too, man. We can continue this uh, this conversation. I would appreciate the invite. Thank you very much. So where can everybody find you out on Twitter one more time? So I to see yourself out here. Like uh, tell everybody, to tell the world where they can find the fan- the fantastic fantasy nerd boy. Yeah, so on Twitter, you can find me at uh, NerdBoyAches, and then we also have a page, uh, pod page, which is Dynasty DGens as well. So we're always active. We're always talking trades, and our DMs are always open as well. I am John McGlynn. You can find me on the Twitter machine at John McGlynn 75 I got this awesome sound from Herms NFL. If you need any work done, Herms. And Draft Kicks. Draft Kicks. Draft Kicks 1. I put a draft board on Twitter today that uh, kind of showed they made a custom board for me for my home dynasty leagues. Go see them if you do your in-person drafts. And uh, hey guys, thanks for joining in. Thanks for being part of the show. Thanks for being uh, for the commissioner evaluation. Thanks again, Mike, for being here with us. Great day, great show. And we will see you. Got a couple shows this week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So we'll keep the goodness going. Thanks for joining the Commissioner Evaluation Show. Have a good day, everyone.